1: No purchase necessary void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Heroes Podcast Network. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Red Shirts and Runabouts episode 56. Uh this is a big week day episode because my co-host has returned. Greg, welcome back, buddy.
0: Hey, Derek. It is very good to be back and um sorry I was gone so long.
1: No, it's okay. We just we missed you. We missed you. But uh, Ray and Zach filled in while you were gone. We did a lot of movie reviews. We reviewed all the, the TNG movies and the Kelvin movies and Galaxy Quest and the short treks.
0: Yeah, so. I, I was listening to y'all. I was like, oh, they don't even need me anymore.
1: I was <laughs> like, oh, all this because of a hurricane. Well, you know, you have a very important job. I mean, we, we, we were we were able to just not have to go anywhere. So.
0: <laughs> well, it's not that important right now, though oh yeah there's
1: that (laughs) but i'm glad to have you back and just in time for discovery season two
0: just in time for season two and a whole slew of of more star trek news basically every day right now
1: oh man there's been so much stuff since just even last week when we recorded the last episode of, of this show Uh, where I guess, so today we're going to be talking a lot of news and we'll talk a bit about discovery season two as we ramp up for that. And then next week is when we start our reviews of episodes again for discovery. So Greg, where do you want to start off? What news do you want to hit first? Maybe let's talk about the, um, the, probably the, let's just start off with the
0: fact that the really nice, easy one, the fact that they're starting with, they're going to be having multiple Trek projects running. Because you're going to have discovery, you're going to have the new Picard show, the new Michelle Yao show, the animated show. Um, They're really unloading with Trek content all of a sudden.
1: Yes, uh, some people are a little nervous that maybe it's too much, but you're right. I mean, we so we part of the news is the Michelle Yao show, which we'll touch on. Um, but that basically means that there are at least three full time projects, like ongoing series that are in some form of development right now, um, which is pretty crazy. So Kurtzman also, uh, Alex Kurtzman, uh, for for those curious, he's basically running Discovery. It's kind of his baby. He worked on the Kelvin films as well. um, Has basically said that short treks will also continue in the spring after season two of Discovery is over.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they are ramping up so many projects across all different timelines but different media's even because with the animated show we have we don't really know what that's going to be like, and like you said with the short tracks and even constantly hinting that, you know, is uh, is Tarantino's movie happening? People want it to, but is it going to happen? So I mean, it, it's almost kind of like you said. There's a lot of it out there. It's it's very similar to what Disney's doing with Star Wars and Marvel. And mm-hmm. it makes me nervous because sometimes when you diversify too much, you stretch out your limited resources. But sometimes, if a, if a studio is willing to take a chance, and maybe the animated series only gets twenty four episodes or something, and then they scale it back, or the Picard series, they're 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 you know they're not saying it's going to be another seven year series. So if they are going to just take a chance on like single season, you know experiments almost. I mean. The Star Trek universe is huge. They could do that. There's plenty of canon content out there to make a show on or make a, make a story about.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people were expecting an anthology series. Um, even when discovery was originally announced, people were, you know, guessing that it was going to be an anthology series, but as we know, it's not, it's an ongoing series right now. The Picard show is supposed to be an ongoing series. And I think you're right. I mean, we're probably not going to see seven seasons out of it, uh, but it is intended to be more than one. And with Lower Decks, we know even less about that. Though at least we have a title versus the Picard show doesn't have a title. Um, one area where Trek has it a little tough, you know, we talk about Marvel and all the MCU stuff anyway is under one roof. It's all owned by Disney and Marvel Studios. So, you know, whether it's the Avengers films or the Defender shows on Netflix or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it's all together. Star Trek, on the other hand, the movies are Paramount, whereas these shows are CBS, so they're not even connected with each other. I don't even know if CBS is allowed to use the Kelvin timeline. I'm not sure how that works.
0: Yeah, there's all that weird information and in contracting law out there about there's, like, what, the movies were given a ten year, 10-year 10 time span or whatever to Paramount to make movies on and it had to differ from the original canon just enough to be different, but stay similar enough to be Star Trek. There's all the all that weird stuff that, you know, behind the scenes, we could probably spend months reading those contracts and still not understand it. Yeah, exactly. But the th- the thing, you know, like, if we want to focus on Discovery Season 2 for a couple minutes, because that's the big hitter for now, at least for Trek. And, you know, Season 1 had its ups and downs. I think everybody admits that. Um, You know, I was reading an article the other day where, some uh, Another critic was saying, oh, Star Trek Discovery Season 2 is the best season yet. And I'm like, well, there's only two. I'm like, it's... <laughs> it, you know, that's not a... I, it's almost like I wish... You can, you know, you and I have said this before. You can love something and still criticize it. Yeah. And, like, I hope studios do learn from that criticism. Like, even Star Wars... Um, even they were saying about Star Wars that Solo didn't do as good and Last Jedi had some problems. And even the studio was like, all right, we got we to gotta scale back some of our projects. And so hopefully CBS kind of learns from the feedback they get about the short tracks and about the season two stuff. And they continue to make adjustments because, you know, if you and I both know if, if season two doesn't do well, that could really impact like the Picard show as well.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, you know, one of the issues that, you know, Star Wars had in Lucas and Disney, they, they got maybe a little bit too ambitious. And there's only like four months, five months between The Last Jedi and Solo. Whereas we're used to years between Star Wars movies.
0: Yeah. And I think we can only absorb so much stuff. <laughs> and even with your Screen Heroes group, you guys, at one point you were watching like, you know,
1: four movies a week just to catch up on, on everything that's out there right now. Yeah. There's just so much content. And I think that's a concern for the t- the streaming services too, because, you know, Star Trek's looking to now have four ongoing series of some kind between Discovery, Short Treks, Lower Decks, the Picard series, and the Georgiou series. You could even call that five if you want to count Short Treks as its own ongoing series. That's a lot of Star Trek content. It's arguably more Star Trek content than we've ever had on TV at the same time. Well, if you think about it, you and
0: I, in our thirties, we had five television shows basically, and they're talking about potentially doing five different series series of mixed content all at once we've, n- we've exactly. never had that the most we ever had was i mean enterprise voyager and ds9 roll on at the same time i believe
1: well enterprise started at the tail end of, of voyager but we had overlap with ds9 and voyager tng and ds9 yeah right so and then of course you had the tng movies while ds9 and voyager were on the air so that was kind of the peak you know, call it like nineteen ninety four, ninety five, um, but yeah, I mean, this is just—it's a lot of content. It really is, and we we just know so little about it at this point. Um, you know, as far as the lower deck show, you know, Kurtzman made sure to note that it's not going to be a Rick and Morty show, right? So, um, you know, it's from the one of the the writers of Rick and Morty. But it's not a Rick and Morty show. Uh, And he was quoted saying, the key is to laugh with Star Trek and not at Star Trek. And it will skew slightly more adult, which I thought was an interesting line. Because Discovery kind of skews more adult than Star Trek. So I don't know if he meant more so than a, a standard cartoon or more so than Discovery. I'm not entirely sure.
0: Well, and if you, you, you know, Star Trek and Star Wars have always had a very good comparison to each other. They've always kind of complemented each other with, different you know, science fiction versus science fantasy. But there's a lot of people out there, a lot of Star Wars fans, that would say that the Clone Wars TV show was some of the best Star Wars content they had in years. Mm-hmm. That, you know, people had good things and bad things to say about Force Awakens, Last Jedi, whatever. doesn't matter. Everybody has something to say about the movies. But the bulk of fans all agreed that the Clone Wars TV show was good. It was like that one beacon that everybody's like. It was a great show. We're sad to see it go. And like you've brought up before, there's so much you can do with an animated series that you it necessarily doesn't translate well to live action. But on animated, you can do all sorts of fun stuff. They could do all sorts of, you know, space battles that are easier to produce that still look great.
1: Exactly. I mean, that was the key of the original animated series. You know, let's not forget Star Trek's done this already. Um, and the, the animated series allowed them to do things in the seventies that they just couldn't do on a TV budget. You know, the characters could go into outer space and walk around on the outside of spaceships and you could have aliens with a third arm and crazy, you know, physiology because it didn't have to be a person in a suit. Yeah, you exactly.
0: Know? And you can, you can have voice actors that do a lot of stuff, a lot of work remotely. Um, that's pretty common these days for animated stuff and digital stuff and digital work uh exactly so i mean with 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 going into season two of discovery my only concern is you know they're hyping season two up a lot already and you and i both know what happens when people do that (laughs) because if it stumbles even a little bit i'm not talking like if it's bad whatever it's bad but if it stumbles just a moderate amount where it has like one or two bad episodes out of 14 or something all anybody's ever going to talk about in this day and age are those two bad episodes Mm-hmm. And I, maybe that's just the nature of online, of online, you know, podcasting and YouTube and such. But you know, season with season two going into it, uh, you know, I'm I actually have to admit I'm a little bit more excited for the Michelle Yao project, even though I wish it wasn't Section Thirty One related. I know it has to be, but I wish it was. I wish it was her being captain on her own ship.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we can talk about that. So uh, that was very recent news, just in the last couple of days here, and basically it was for those who don't know. I, I apologize for any spoilers at this point, but these are Discovery season one plot points. But um, yeah, Giorgio that that we end up with at the end of season one, the mirror universe, the uh, ex emperor. Uh, she is joining section 31 and that was confirmed in a deleted scene from season one and now has been confirmed in the trailers for season two. And so now she's actually getting her own live action series that focuses on Philippa Giorgio as a section 31 member. Um, so they're kind of calling it a black ops show, uh, which I thought was kind of interesting. And uh, so she was quoted saying, I am so excited to continue telling these rich star Trek stories being a part of this universe and this character specifically has been such a joy for me to play. I can't wait to see where it all goes. Certainly, I believe it will go where no woman has gone before, which I thought was a, a really nice uh, kind of way of summing it up. I mean, she's she's awesome. I'm a huge fan of her. Uh, to your point, Greg, I've never been a big Section 31 fan, but I'm a huge Michelle Yao fan, so...
0: I'm with you on that. I, I, <laughs> I get that that starfleet you know we they have enough canon to know that section 31 is real but yeah i have my own little problems with section 31 and such it's just like it's the Deus us machina that they bring out sometimes but michelle yao she's got acting chops and she has action chops everybody knows that she's done as many action movies as she's done non-action movies so seeing her in some sort of black ops special special ops or uh, secrets secret like a like a space like like a secret space agency type role. Should we know she can do that cuz she's done mm-hmm. similar roles to that in the
1: past. And part of my hope is because it's going to be black ops section 31 style that maybe she'll get into some scrapes and we'll get to see some of her incredible martial arts skills. Yeah, I mean you, know? you have an actress with that kind of talent. I mean you have
0: to use it. It's like when it's like you know Dwayne Johnson when you cast Dwayne Johnson you're not now casting him just because he's charming you're casting him because he's charming and he's gigantic
1: exactly he, and Star Trek's always kind of struggled with its fight scenes
0: you, you mean when Riker's fighting the monster and you know in <laughs> nemesis uh I mean sure
1: yeah like there's just like you know you have the, the the Kirk two-handed you know hit over the back you've got the Riker palm to the face you know uh those types of things but you know, with with an actor like Michelle, I mean, she she really can fight, and she's done choreography for martial arts films many many times. And so, this is an opportunity to actually have decent fight scenes in Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, I hope they
0: don't skimp out on it, like with DS Nine when the Klingons board the station. And okay, I don't care if Jadzia Dax has been using a batlet; the Dax symbiote's been using a batlet for three hundred years. It's still a Klingon warrior that weighs three hundred pounds swinging at you.
1: Right?
0: Like, I get that, Kira who's been fighting since she was like, what, nine <laughs> in hand-to-hand combat and such with Cardassians and Worf, obviously. But DS9, you know, anytime somebody boarded the station, I'm like, well, Starfleet's still going to win in hand-to-hand combat. So hopefully mm-hmm. this is actually a person that looks to part. And it could be, you know, maybe it's one of those things. It's a little side project they're doing. If they're going to have a more limited cast and a more limited scope on what they're doing... Because if it's black ops, they're not—they're probably not going to be dumping a whole bunch of money in the space battles all the time. Right. It's going to be black ops, but maybe special forces type stuff, which could be really cool. You know, I think—I think you, uh, Jeremy, and I last year were talking about it'd be cool to have if—if um—if they actually would have made Into Darkness more of like a James Bond type Star Trek film, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. maybe that's what they're going to do with Michelle Yao because she—we know she can do that. We know she can act like that.
1: Well right, I mean one of the whole points of section 31 in the prime timeline, you know, was that they were covert. It was black ops. They were always there but you never knew it. They had agents implanted all over Starfleet and even within the Klingon and Romulan empires and you know all of that. It was it was super covert like James Bond stuff. Uh, whereas in Into Darkness, it just ends up being, we built this really big ship with this really big gun, and we're going to make a lot of noise.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was, it turned into just, it's like DARPA, real life DARPA in space, making, <laughs> making weapons versus, you know, what traditional Section 31 would have done would have just been, I don't know, smuggled a virus onto the
1: Klingon homeworld been like, oops, where did this, uh-huh. where did this come from? Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, this this gives us an opportunity to see a part of Star Trek that a lot of people don't like. Um, a lot of people have a problem with Section Thirty One. Just just the concept of it, the idea that it exists, kind of flies in the face of Gene Roddenberry's future. And I'm not denying that. That's you know we've, we've had an entire episode to talk about all the secret organizations, Section Thirty One, the Obsidian Order, um, and the and the Tal Shiar. And so. This is a part of Star Trek that hasn't had a ton of attention and I think has an opportunity to show its significance. We can look at different alien species we don't get to see very often. Uh, We can see different types of storytelling, right? One of the things that Marvel has started to do is make genre films, right? Like Ant-Man was a heist film, right? Yeah. You know, this could be our, the covert ops Star Trek, the James Bond Star Trek well exactly and it's like
0: how thor ragnarok was created you know it was a humorous movie it was an entertaining film but it was also made to to basically show the potential of thor and because we never we yeah we got to see him be strong and be powerful and everything but it really showed what thor you know the god of the god of thunder and lightning and such what he can do mm-hmm. because as they as marvel was moving into the you know into the, the movies with thanos and such they have to be able to show that yeah some of the avengers do pack a punch And maybe that's what they're going to be doing with the Michelle Yao series is showing, like you just said, what what she's capable of, what Starfleet's capable of. Um, So it's again, it's and it's easy to take a chance on someone like that if it's a little bit more of a limited scope. They're not Michelle Yao's characters likely not going to be doing galaxy altering stuff like like, you know, like Discovery and Burnham was doing.
1: Well, I think one thing that we could see is, you know, in, in the real world, when. The military funds something, it helps advance consumer technology a lot of times. An example is the iPod. The iPod only ever came into existence because of a a contract Apple had with the military to make smaller hard drives. Right? So this is an opportunity for Section 31 to show us how we got certain technologies in the Federation, in Starfleet, in Star Trek where those things came from out of necessity for section 31 that maybe they take for granted in the next generation. That's entirely possible
0: because unfortunately through conflict comes a lot of technology and, you know, exactly. a lot of our advanced medical technology today came from, you know, the space race with, you know, with Russia in the sixties and, you know, it's great that we have all of it, but a lot of it was started because of national pride and, So it could be interesting if if they do it right and they do it well. But again, something that is, I hope they realize, with a show like that, they can definitely take a little bit more chances with characters and storylines without... You know, because we don't have a huge amount of canon content when it comes to Section 31. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's why Discovery kind of rubs some people the wrong way when everybody's like, well, you know, hell, I've read 50 books or watched all these shows and this is kind of goofy. What's going on? Why is this different? And with Section 31, so little is known that... Take a chance. You could create, like you said, maybe they're counterinsurgency. Maybe, maybe they're dealing with. Maybe they've been dealing with the Tal Shiar for a hundred years, and we just never know about it.
1: Well, and to your point about canon, you can explain away a lot more. The ships can look different because it's not normal Starfleet, right? The weapons can be more advanced because it's not normal Starfleet. Um, you know, and then the actions that they take should be invisible. If they're successful, if their mission is, is successful nobody's ever supposed to know it happened
0: exactly just like almost a real life spy agency nobody nobody talks about the cia when they do something right they talk exactly. about it when they do something wrong
1: you know they talk about oh, bay pigs good job but so it is a huge opportunity for them to tell stories without disrupting canon where you know the spore drive and the discovery itself the ship that is you know that they did it Rubs some people the wrong way myself included it at, at times because Where did those design concepts go? Where did that technology go for the next-gen era? Or even just the TOS era that's 10 years later. Uh, They don't have to explain that as much in a Section 31 show.
0: No, they really don't. And something I was was looking at my notes about, since we're kind of talking Section 31 and some Discovery crossover, a lot of the clips I'm seeing on Discovery Season 2, I do have to say, I think Anson Mount, the dude looks like a Starfleet captain
1: oh man does he look the part or what
0: he i mean i i remember we had that image out there showing the three different versions of captain pike but he's got the pike look but he also looks like a legit starfleet captain where even the way he kind of moves the way he kind of talks but the way he looks in the uniform he legit looks like you know a starfleet he looks he looks fantastic in a starfleet
1: uniform oh yeah he owns that uniform he really does um, and that's that's something that's innate, I think, for a lot of, of people, a lot of actors. It's something that you either have or you don't a lot of the time. And sometimes it's the way the character's written, right? Lorca never really felt right in the captain's uniform, and we find out why. But with Pike and Anson Mount, he just, he just looks the part. He feels the part. Everything I'm seeing on social media, because he's fairly active there, this is just something that he's like always wanted to do. He's he's been a Trekkie his whole life, and that adds to it because he's gonna take a certain level of pride in that role that for a lot of us, I mean, the show may not have been picked up picked up from the cage, but that is where this all started. Oh, absolutely. And when you when you look the part and you're interested in
0: doing the part and you want to do well, I I mean they could do a lot of stuff with this. It's like you said about Lorca not always feeling right. And I think even the first couple seasons of DS nine Everybody liked, you know, um, Ben Sisko's character, but he really grew into his own. Remember when he shaved his head and he grew that goatee? Oh, yeah. And everybody's <laughs> like, he lo- I mean, that, the moment he did that, he legit looked like a completely awesome, badass Starfleet captain. And he was a fine mm-hmm. commanding officer before then. It's not about that. But sometimes it's that screen presence that just gives you that little extra 5% of owning your character. And the moment he did that, he... I mean, he was phenomenal. He looked like, a, like an actual, legit Starfleet officer.
1: And, you know, if this goes well, if he's well-received by by people, by audiences, I mean, hell, you know what? You're doing prequel shit already. Let's just have a Pike show. He was captain of the Enterprise for, like, ten years. Well, and that's the thing. And that,
0: you know, that was one of the rumors of the Game of Thrones prequels. I'm only going to talk about Game of Thrones one time. But when they are talking about the prequels, <laughs> they were talking about doing, like, I think they scrapped it. But they're talking like doing five to seven seasons, but each season was something different. Like season one is Robert's Rebellion, and season two is The Dance of the Dragons and all this stuff. Like like you said, the anthology. Right. If, if season two does well, and the Picard show does well, and the, and the actors and actresses are interested, they could do an anthology series where one season is Pike on the Enterprise for 15 episodes. And, you know, season two or whatever is... Rachel Garrett on the Enterprise C or something like that. I mean, they that'd be cool. They could do that. It's just that would that's a huge risk. There is not a lot of shows that do that, unless you are talking like a true detective type. But it's because they can wipe the slate clean on that show and start all over, basically.
1: Yeah, but it is getting to be more popular, and you know, we have more of the. It's all streaming, right? And things can tie together and cross over, and you know, you could do an Enterprise show right? Like, and, and, and I mean, you're not going to want to call it Enterprise. We have that already, but you know, whatever that title would be. And you can follow Pike and you could even have the crossover episode where the Shenzhou shows up and George's is the captain and, you know, it's because it's, it's before Discovery takes place. You could do that. Um, or, you know, you could have it take place now when Discovery is taking place and just have, have us learn about Pike, have us learn about number one and, and Spock and how they got to where the accident happens and he, you know, hands the ship over to Kirk and all that type of stuff. I mean, you could do all of that. And I think that's interesting storytelling that a lot of Trekkies would want to see from a prequel perspective. If you're going to do prequel stuff, let's start filling in the blanks of things that have only been alluded to.
0: Yeah. That way, that way, and I know it's oh it's so easy to say who cares about canon, canon's not important, but you know, background and context is important when it comes to stories. And so yeah, start taking start filling in those gaps. And you know, you saw my post on Twitter earlier this week. If if CBS is listening, I just just call LeVar Burton, guys, and do a show in twenty three ninety five about the USS Challenger with him commanding. And I would I would watch the hell out of that.
1: Man, if we don't see So, okay, that, that leads us to the Picard series. So the Picard series, uh, is moving forward. Things are are moving well. They're actually anticipating a late fall release for the show in 2019, which is earlier than I expected. I expected 2020. Um, but it, you know, they've, they've said this is going to take place after the destruction of Romulus. So for those that have done their homework, Right? That's what created the Kelvin timeline. That's where Spock got thrown back in time with the Narada because Romulus was destroyed. Well, people still were in the prime timeline when that happened. And we're going to follow what happens to Picard after those events. Well, that's around the end of the century. So Captain LaForge should be a thing. Absolutely. And I would love, because, you know, LeVar Burton stays very active
0: with the fans and with Star Trek community and such. And, that'd be, you know, it'd be great. He looked great in the captain's uniform on that the, the Voyager clip. Um, I know Patrick Stewart has said he would love to get some of the other cast and crew involved if they're interested. And it's, you know, it's obvious that Patrick Stewart really wants to do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, he has been involved in the writer's room. He's pitched ideas. He's talked about what he wants from the show because he he's one of the more protective people of the franchise because it's something he takes a lot of pride in and so he wasn't going to do this for anybody for any reason it had to be right so i I mean i trust him to make that right call but it would be a shame if we don't see any of these other characters everybody from from TNG, DS9, and Voyager, who was alive when those shows, you know, ended? Those characters are still around, and we could see what they've become, what they're doing. You know, it, did did Harry Kim ever get promoted from ensign? <laughs> you mean the seven year ensign? Yeah. <laughs> you know, is he still an ensign somewhere? That poor guy. Uh, you know, did Riker stay on the Titan for a long time, or did he move up to admiral like we saw in All Good Things? Because this show. The Picard series basically takes place when the alternate future and all good things took place. So is that what we're going to see? Are we going to see Admiral Riker? Are we going to see you know, Captain Beverly Picard? Or is she going to be Crusher? Or did Data put the weird streak of white, ha- white in his hair? I don't know. But uh, these characters are all there and it does seem like a waste to ignore that.
0: I would agree with you, because there's so much background and history and chemistry among that cast and crew that if they're willing, even if that's they're only talking like in one episode each or an episode here and there or something, the fan, obviously the fans are going to love it. And, I mean, so we don't have to worry about that. But there's so much history between them as cast members that they could bring into the new show, the destruction of Romulus, and maybe, like you said, it's the part of all good things where... You know, the Klingon Empire is getting ready to invade Romulan, Romulan space. Or take advantage of it. And that's Picard is trying to negotiate a peace or something. And he's negotiating a peace while Admiral Riker is organizing a task force and all this jazz. I mean, there's so much stuff they could do that... You know, and that's one thing you you heard me complaining about last year. What I want is... I want Star Trek to be fun again. Take a few chances here and there. And I think you can go a long way. And especially when you have an actor... With the chops of Patrick Stewart, you know the dude can act. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's been phenomenal in basically everything he's done. So let him just be an older, wiser Picard that has served in Starfleet for you know forty five years, and now he's trying to live out the his remaining years in peace or something.
1: Yeah, there's just so many options. There's so much they could do, and they're playing a lot of it really close to the vest, which is fine. I don't I don't need to know every detail. Um, I am really curious what the show will be called. There's no title yet. And, you know, part of me feels like this is going to be like Avengers Endgame all over again, where the very first guess ends up being what they go with, which is just call it Picard.
0: Yeah, because we know next to nothing about the show. We know that it has Picard involved, or Patrick Stewart, excuse me, and we know he's playing Captain Picard. But we really have no, we have no, there's no teaser images, there's no trailer images, there's no hint at costumes. We know next to nothing.
1: All we know is when it takes place, yeah. you know? And what's big about that and probably what makes me the most excited for this show, aside from Patrick Stewart being one of my my personal idols and Captain Picard being my, my role model, um, it's the fact that it takes place farther in the future. It moves ahead. And while some people may not care about canon, that's fine. I do. I take canon very seriously. And this allows them to write new, exciting stories without being beholden to canon events that happened after or at the same time that they could contradict, like Discovery has to struggle with or Enterprise had to struggle with. They don't have to do that with this show.
0: No, I completely agree with you. And I'm also in the same boat as you where I think canon canon matters. Canon's important. The, uh, the history of where people came from and decisions they made in the past. Uh, I remember even the... Uh the the one next generation episode where they get that time traveler that's trying to steal things and cheat people and <laughs> right and you know and Picard's giving them that speech about you know history is all about making choices and do I take you know Suzanne or Paulette to the dance or something it's cuz context and content and history matters and you can do a future series of Picard and Picard you know if if if, if they are doing something like the klingons invading romulus you know, Picard could bring up, he's like talking to Ambassador, you know, Wharf or whatever. Or if you remember the battles in the Dominion War, you remember the Borg invasions. You remember how horrible war is. Why are you doing this? And that's using basic levels of canon to impact the future st- future story in a realistic way. And so I'm with you. That's why I think canon is important.
1: So, you know, there's just, there's a lot of opportunity for the Picard show. I'm really looking forward to it. I, I want to know more. At the same time, the Michelle Yao show is really exciting too because I don't, you know, we didn't get to see enough Giorgio, and so I'm just glad we get to see more of it. Me too. More of her.
0: I was saying that all last year. I was like, could they just keep her? And and I like Lorca. Lorca was fine. I like the actor, but I like Giorgio more. <laughs> oh yeah.
1: So. I mean... Look, Jason Isaacs is a, is a, is a great actor. He really is, uh, you know. But Lorca was a very specific character with spe- with specific goals, and Giorgio resonated at least with me as the kind of the classic Star Trek captain. She reminded me of Picard, uh, you know, very, very much level headed, measured, experienced, kind, and driven, and intelligent, and not. Not bullheaded and uh quick to act, you know, she was she was kind of the who I would want to have be my captain, right? <laughs> so um, what, what not Cisco? Well, <laughs> look, Cisco has his moments, but there's some times where he just goes off the rails. You know, we've talked about that, yep. you know. Um and look, you know, an argument could be made that uh he got results. He definitely, he definitely got results. He definitely
0: helped to end the the worst war in Federation history.
1: You know, so there is something to be said for that. Uh, I definitely don't want to take that away from him. But uh, if I was going to be captain of a starship, I would want to model my strategies, my captainness, off of Picard and George. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, um, so let's see. Okay, so other Star Trek news that we hadn't gotten to yet. Uh, does cross over to the other timeline to the Kelvin timeline where we more or less have confirmed that Star Trek 4 or 14 depending on how you want to count has been shelved by paramount
0: yeah it's the way I'm reading about it it's dead it's they're gonna take no more action or even planning on it anymore and you know it's it's a shame and I know you read enough articles and commentary and everybody talks about it's because the the poor performance of Beyond led to a reduction in budget which led to financial reductions for the actors and actresses and it's a shame because of the 3 Kelvin timeline films and we talked about this before Beyond is the the best of the 3 it's mm-hmm. it's the most star trek of the th- of the new 3 movies and it's a shame because it's, an, it's another example how the marketing for Beyond didn't do so well. You know, people are watching the trailers and they're like, what is this? Why is Kirk on a motorcycle? What's going on? Why is, there, why is this music back? And then you watch the movie and you're like, damn, this is actually a great movie. And it's unfortunate that it's just another example of how underperformance in the theaters can kill a franchise.
1: Yeah, I'm completely with you. You know, uh, I love beyond go back, listen to our review that we did in the fall. I, I love that movie. Um, it is a shame. Some of it was definitely the, uh, the inability to strike a deal with Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth. Cause the, the rumored plan was to have a time travel episode where Kirk, James Kirk gets to meet his father, um, through time travel, who was, if you don't remember, played by Chris Hemsworth, uh, you know, back in. In 2009, before really people knew him as Thor, Uh, but it was really I I think kind of the nail in the coffin was when Clarkson, who uh, she was set to direct the film, moved on and signed with HBO to work on Game of Thrones.
0: Yep. So they lost their basically their two main leads and their director almost back to back. And I don't blame you know what I don't blame the leads. I know it's easy to say. Ah, uh, they're making six million dollars. What's the difference if they make three million? I'm like, you know what? That's fine. I, I, I get. I completely agree. You know, a million dollars is a lot of money, but at the same time, I also understand when the actors are like, "Look, we signed contracts," and I get it. I, I, you know, I don't think they're trying to hurt Star Trek or hurt the series. It's just they want studios to hold up to their obligations as well because, you know, let's face it, the studio's going to make way more money than any single actor's going to make, anyways.
1: Well, and both of these guys have big things going on. I mean, obviously, Chris Hemsworth is Thor, and the MCU is massive, and Thor just, you know, is coming off of Ragnarok, which is phenomenal. Uh, Chris Pine has a ton of stuff going on. You know, he's set to return in Wonder Woman 1984 as Steve Trevor, and, um, you know, these are big-time actors. These are A-list actors. Star Trek as a franchise is not really used to having A-list actors in the main cast.
0: Yeah, and I mean you got Zoe Saldana that was filming the other Avatar movies. She's also got her MCU credit behind her. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got Zachary Quinto who said he wants to he wants to continue doing Spock, but he also has other projects he wants to work on. And you know, yep. and Simon Pegg is always in the writers' house somewhere working on something. So you have a cast and crew that like you said they weren't Star Trek didn't make any of these actors or actresses you could say it maybe gave chris pine and chris hemsworth a bit of a bump but all these people were doing side stuff early in their career when they got big none of them were none of them were specifically made huge because of star trek
1: and that's a big difference you know while You know, Patrick Stewart, of course, was, you know, and still is a phenomenal Shakespearean theater stage actor. And, you know, LeVar Burton, of course, had um, Roots and Reading Rainbow and Will Wheaton had Stand By Me and, uh, you know, things like that. Most of these, most of our main Star Trek actors became famous from Star Trek.
0: I mean, absolutely. Patrick Stewart did 100 films and 100 plays before he ever stepped into the uniform as Captain Picard but when you when somebody says the name Patrick Stewart even non Star Trek fans are like oh that's Captain Picard right it's like it's just it's Ian McKellen it's Gandalf it's mm-hmm. he's done hundreds of movies excellent movies but when you hear the name what do you think of you think of Gandalf it's his um oh what's the there's a there's a word for it when you hit like you're I don't know your prime or something you're you've where you've always been successful but you hit your prime goal of completing something that was Patrick Stewart when he became Picard and that was whether he wants to admit it or not it's it's like Leonard Nimoy remember you know I am not Spock but then a couple years later he writes a book was like oh no I am Spock (laughs) it's like he accepted it he was like this is really what helped make me who I am
1: well, that goes back to that struggle of being typecast. You know, uh, Denise Crosby struggled with that, which is why she left the show. Uh, will Wheaton, uh, as well. Um, you know, I, I think it's and I, I think it's totally reasonable. It's a reasonable concern. A lot of Star Trek actors, that's what they will always be known for, good or bad. And I mean, you and I see it as a good thing. Um, you know, whether they do or not, of course, is up to them. as their life. But you have guys like Avery Brooks who he doesn't really want to talk about deep space nine anymore he's done he's had a million interviews you know thousands of panels He he's said all he feels like he has to say about the show and he just wants to move on to other things but the fandom doesn't want to let him
0: yeah and in, you know? then you have the opposite with like cyric Lofton, you know young jake Cisco. he's even he's helped out with some of those star trek fan projects lately yeah, where I mean, yeah. he's staying involved, and he he, he just loves it. And the, the older he gets, the more he looks like a Avery Brooks, anyways, which is starting to kind of freak me out. <laughs> it was like it was good casting. It was really good cast. I'm like, is this is, is are we going to see a Jake Sisko show in the future? Well, I mean, you know, he could be on the Picard show. Oh, easily. I mean, he could be his yeah, own. He know. could be writing his books. There you go. Perfect. And you know, um, I am sad that you know Star Trek Four is basically dead in the water because. Again, you know, I know the Kelvin timeline, plus or minus whatever. But at the same time, I like I do enjoy seeing Star Trek on the big screen. And while I really enjoyed 2009 and Into Darkness is, I'm you know, you know my opinion on Into Darkness. Uh, Beyond was so good that they could have done a lot, a whole bunch with a new you know spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen Star Trek Beyond, but the Enterprise gets kind of jacked up. So it would have been, you know, fun to see another new Enterprise and upgrades and updates and all that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I wanted to see Jayla. I wanted to know what happened to Jayla. I wanted to see the new ship and I wanted to see them, you know, continuing on because Beyond brought the franchise back to where, for me, it had always been. And so... It's a bummer. I guess if you're going to go out, that's a good note to go out on. But I I of course wanted to see more. The argument, you know, has been made and I I kind of agree with it that Star Trek probably is better served on the small screen. As much as I love movies and, you know, people who listen to all my podcasts, I see a lot of movies. Um, but Trek has always been more about the human experience rather than the Galaxy-ending problem. No, you
0: are absolutely correct, and it's it's funny. There's another review crew out there that I watch um, called Red Letter Media. They do a whole bunch of funny movie reviews and everything. They're the you, you know them. they're the famous people that did the 90-minute Phantom Menace review. Nah, uh, and they've done a bunch of stuff, but they did a recent a rewatch of Star Trek One, the motion picture, a couple weeks ago, and they actually brought up a lot of good points about how Star Trek One is literally like a, just a gigantic Star Trek episode on the big screen. Right. And that the older people get the more they appreciate the motion picture and and I'm like they're actually right. The more the older I get when I watch it I'm like I remember not liking it as a kid, but the older I get the more I appreciate it. And it's like you said, it's maybe it's cuz Star Trek is a small screen content that's just occasionally is on the big screen. But you know, Wrath of Khan's a perfect example. Yes, there's some awesome space battles in it but nobody remembers it because of the space battle. They remember it because Khan and Kirk and the performances of the cast and crew around them. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a small screen thing. Whereas in a movie, you know, people, it's so easy to complain about, Oh look, another gigantic blue space beam. I'm like, well in movies, people have to have like the general movie going audience has to have a villain. They have to know why to root for the good guys and why to root against the bad guys. It you know when people complain about gigantic super weapons in Star Wars, I'm like the Empire's been doing this for like 50 years. You think they're just going to suddenly stop? Mm-hmm. And it's because people need a villain to count to have the good good people counter.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're totally right.
0: And you know we so. can, we can say we don't 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 think it was done well. Like I don't think it was done well in Into Darkness at all. But there's a villain. You understand why you don't like the villain? You try to make him sympathetic. Um, I don't know, but it's, there's a lot of Star Trek coming up. We could probably spend another five hours talking about all this new stuff.
1: Well, so speaking of that, so this episode comes out on Thursday, January 17th. It's our new release day. It also happens to be the premiere of discovery season two. That's not an accident. Um, and I, I, we talked a little bit about this last week, but Greg, I wanted you to have an opportunity to answer this on Twitter we had tweeted a poll asking people what they were most excited about for season two of discovery and the options were captain pike section 31 spock or other and then you'd have to provide what what the other thing was because twitter only lets you have four options so greg what are you most excited about for discovery season two
0: um i want to see anson mount's performance as captain pike
1: Yeah, uh, most people agreed with you. 65% of the audience picked Captain Pike, and uh, I did as well. Um, So is there anything else that, is there anything that you're nervous about, anything that you're concerned about? Um, This is
0: just because of the way I think TV shows are going. I think one of the main cast is going to get killed off this year. I don't know who. But I think legit I think legitimately one of the main people they're not gonna bring him back. They're not gonna do you know, they're not gonna try to find any way to bring him back with the spore drive or anything. I legit think that either Saru or or um Yeah, I actually think Saru's gonna bite the dust this this year.
1: Yeah, okay. Think, That's a big guess. That's a big I, prediction. I,
0: I think they're gonna try to do something. That just, you know, pull like a Walking Dead or a Game of Thrones to go, look, our, our TV show, even though it's on streaming, we can still, we're willing to kill off our characters too. Because everybody, you know, once you do that, you get people talking about it, you know, nonstop for the next 10, you know, Game of Thrones is the perfect example. The people known characters in that show were going to die if you read the books. The character dies on the show and you you get all mad. You're like, how could this happen? Even though you read the book. <laughs> so actually, right. you know, I hope it's not Saru so because I love Doug Jones, but you know, they have to do it in a way where it's going to be emotional. And I think that's something that they're going to do
1: this year. Okay. That's a big, bold prediction. Cool. Um, well, that of course kicks things off uh, for that. We'll be reviewing each episode every week. The idea is to give you a week to see the episode. So our podcast comes out on release day, uh, talking about the, the weeks before episodes. So, that's what we'll be doing until the season wraps up, and then we'll move on to other other Trek topics. Um, Greg, is there anything else you want to talk about today?
0: No, it's good to be back. And just to, again, to repeat to everybody that, you know, it's what I've been saying all last year, what I've been saying this year. You know, go ahead and criticize what you don't like. You can still love something and still criticize it. That's okay. And, you know, I know there's always that chatter and that banner online. And if, if somebody says something about Star Trek you don't agree with, just ignore them. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, it's just in this day and age, that's just the best advice I can give people. I don't agree with every opinion out there. And, you know, season one had its ups and downs. You know, I don't, but it's Star Trek, and I'm glad to have Star Trek back. And I'm excited if they start digging into some more Star Trek, you know, let's see what other content they can come up with. Because they're obviously listening to the fans. The fans said they wanted more Star Trek, and now we could be getting, you know, four shows simultaneously. Mm
1: hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'm really glad to have you back, buddy. Um, I'm looking forward to talking Discovery with you and continuing our, our journey together. Me too, my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, then, let's wrap up here. Um, Greg, if people want to reach out and talk to you out on the internet verse, where can they find you?
0: You can find me on uh, Twitter at the underscore bittersteel. And same way on, uh, if you, if somebody wants to email me, it's the underscore bittersteel at yahoo.com. I'm pretty active on Twitter, so that's
1: probably the best well best way to get a hold of me. Awesome. And I am the Star Trek Dude on Twitter as well, so come talk to both of us. We will be really excited to talk Trek in general and, of course, Discovery as season two kicks off here. We are Red Shirts and Runabouts. You can follow the show at redshirts Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on facebook instagram or Heroespodcasts.com, that is our network the heroes podcast network the show is on apple podcasts google play blog talk radio all that good stuff anywhere you can find a podcast we hope that you will join us for our discovery season two journey and we'll catch you next time see ya red shirts and runabouts is part of the heroes podcast network and is executive produced by me derek Mayer. our music is by flying killer robots Please consider following us on social media at RedShirtsPod Pod on Twitter or at Heroes Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, or Patreon. You can also go to HeroesPodcasts.com to find all of the episodes for Red Shirts and Runabouts, as well as the other shows on the Heroes Podcast Network. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Blog Talk Radio, Google Play, or anywhere that you want to drop our RSS feed. If you drop us a review on iTunes, we'll be sure to give you a shout out on a future episode.